And we're live. This is Mr. Jones, a.k.a. Sam Jones, the Mr. Come First, because you got to respect me and my other co-host here. Yo, yo, it's your man, Mr. Fortune, or Mr. Comes First, because I'm a man. Hey, and welcome to Grapple Mania. Today, we're going to take a journey into the King of the Ring Part 2. And today, we're going to focus on the era that everybody knows pretty much to the consensus maybe the best era of wrestling in the 80s other than the golden era in the 80s. And that'll be the years of the Attitude Era. So today yes. we're going to be focusing from King of the Ring, where we left off pretty much, starting off with King of the Ring 1996 all the way to 2002. Now, when you think of the Attitude Era, what stands out to you? Raunchy. Limited skill set. <laughs> Explain that. Talk your shit. <laughs> Man. <laughs> the move, it was very limited. We get very limited skill <clears throat> in um the attitude era. Are you talking about as far as like in ring quality? Because it was a lot of skill, I think, as far as storytelling and just straight wrestling. It was a lot of good workers, man. Different, different things. Um, in ring, kind of, sort of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, basic, I guess. You didn't have that many innovative moves at the time. I mean, you had quite a few. Well, they were there. Just, I guess, WWE style of wrestling didn't really do it as much. Because, I mean, if you went to WCW, you had the cruiserweight. Mm-hmm. And then if you went to ECW, you had your Rob Van Dams and your Jerry Lynn's and Last Storms of the World and Chris Candino's later on. All right. So, But, I mean, I think what I did like about it, you know, the stars, they took some of the, you know, basic moves and turned them into their own. Like you had uh, Austin. Um, when he, he took the stunner, you know, he turned it to his thing, like Stone Cold Steve Austin stunned. Like it became his, you know. And now that we talk about King of the Ring, you know, '96, and when he well, I think it was it was either the semifinals or the qualifying match where he actually um, fought against Savio Vega when they had like that little small rivalry at the time, and he actually introduced the uh, Steve Austin stunner at that time. That was the first time he did a stunner, yeah. Definitely, correct. Mm-hmm. And let's talk a little bit about Snow Cold. Let's set up the scenario of the King of the Ring 96. And we all know who the winner is, Stone Cold. And let's just get it out the way. This pretty much was the best coronation of all time. Everybody remembers, you know, drinking your Thunderbird, you know, talking about your songs, and <laughs> John 316, but also 316 said, I just whipped your ass. Let's just get that out yes. the way, how great that was. But... I want to focus more on his journey to becoming the king of the ring and this up and coming star. From let's, I'm going to rewind it all the way back to stunning Steve Austin in the WCW. Well, I, I say take it a step, you know, go a little before that and take it to Hollywood Blondes. That's what I'm talking about, stunning Steve Austin. And one thing that was crazy about Steve Austin was the evolution of him as a wrestler, as a character, the persona over these years. Because 
when he was part of the Hollywood Blondes, what were they were known for? High flying, fast mm-hmm. action. Stone Cold was a technical wrestler, a very technical wrestler. Yeah. Put on flying Brian Pillman there. And you know what's crazy about the Hollywood Blondes? They were the tag team for only 10 months, bro. And they still one of the top 10 best tag teams in WCW history. And they made that decision, poor decision to actually spit them up, which was very simple. But, you know, what was, I guess, was, wasn't a but great I mean, decision. They still, they still had little success split up. I think, you know, Pillman was cruiserweight champ or light heavyweight champ at the time for a while. And Austin was TV champ. And actually had some great uh, matches with Ricky Steamboat at one point. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think that also helped, you know, ain't no telling where it like, I don't know if Austin would have still been on, t- you know, would have been who he was if, you know, if he didn't leave WCW and go to ECW or if they just would stay Hollywood Bros. But quick, quick trivia question. Trivia question of the day. This is something new. I'm going to ask you a trivia question. Every episode, bro. This is my trivia question. What was the name of Stone Cold? What was the name of Stunning Steve Austin's finisher in WCW? Man, uh, like, what's my time limit on this? Like, how many seconds? Give you, ten, give you, give you ten Mississippi. All right, go ahead and do that. One Stunning Steve. <laughs> Two Mississippi. Three Mississippi. I don't know. Like, give me a sec, man. I'm trying to figure it out. Four Mississippi. Five Mississippi. Do you want to hear? Nah, nah. Okay. I'm a. I kind of remember. Was it? I'm, I'm gonna ask you this move. I I can't think of the name, but the move when he was um, this is the one when he lit like when he lifts them up and drops them like their face on the rope, right? On the top, yeah, he's hanging their neck on the top turnbuckle. Um, and he stun gun. <laughs> and today you win a prize from our sponsor. Let them know who our sponsor is today. Oh man, today's sponsor, you know, is brought to you by the one and only Biggie Smalls All You Can Eat Memorial Cafe. Um. <laughs> Located in Bed-Stuy on, uh, on that corner right there across from that corner on the other side. <laughs> and you know, you know what you want today? You want a lifetime supply of toasted cheese eggs and Welsh's grape. Oh, <laughs> cheese eggs? Cheese eggs and Welsh's grape, baby. Add a steak. Add a steak. You get a nice eight-hour steak. Hey, man, man, I thank you. I, I am very, very appreciative, man. Yep, just like you the know, song "The Papa, baby. Uh, man, you, you know, I appreciate it. And, and you know that in his restaurant, you know, once you get full, he had that, that leather green sofa in the back. If you, you know, catch the itis, you know, right in front of the floor model TV with the Sega Genesis. So, you know, feel free to check it out. <laughs> and that is a moment for my sponsors. Now back to the 1996 <laughs> King of the Ring and talking about Stunner Steve Austin there. I remember when he got fired and how they tell it is Eric Bischoff actually fired him through what was it, uh, Telegram at the time or fax? Mm-hmm. Like through mail? Like yeah. he wasn't even worth a call. So through all that anger and abandonment he went through because he felt like he really could have been a star in WCW. 
he went along and packed his bags and went up north to Philadelphia. And I think that was the genesis of what you seen in 96 with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Shout out to Paul Heyman. That character there was hilarious. The parody of whole Steve Mania, the fake Hawkamania thing, because he didn't have what it takes. Mm-hmm. And actually cutting his hair and going bald. That was the first time he's really bald, too. Even though it was a very short stint, I think he only had like one big match, and that was to be number one contender in a triple threat match with Stevie Richards. And I want to say, Patrick yep. Jack, I want to say. Mm hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, he really didn't have much time but the promos. He really built that character, that I don't give a fuck character that he is today, with, especially with the WCW parodies. Awesome. Trust me, something you want to look at. And then, I mean, after that, he joined the WWF. Now, when he first went to the WWF, he was not the man you see today or the man you even start to see around King of the Ring 96. Not at all. He came as the ringmaster under um, Ted DiBiase's clan, and he actually used a million-dollar dream as a finisher. He was yeah. a, of a technical Triple H type of wrestler, if you want to say. Break down the body part. You know what I mean? Make you tap out. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say with that whole the ringmaster was trash, and, you know, shout-out to Mrs. Mrs. Austin. For telling him to drink his tea before it gets stone cold. And, you know, it was history from there. It was history from there. And then he started to get the birth of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. And honestly, a lot of people like once Stone Cold became the champion, ramped it up and became the star. That was like some of his best work. Honestly, around this time and a little bit later after that, we'll talk about it. I think it was some of um, Stone Cold's best work around the Brian Pillman feud and the Nation of Domination feud. Mm -hmm. And actually the Rock feud, the Intercontinental Champion Rock feud, when he threw Mm -hmm. the belt in the um, river. Off the bridge. Yes. That's the Stone Cold I like. That stunned Jim Ross and Vince McMahon and was tag team champions of dude love. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the Austin I like the most because man, he was a different he was a different animal back there. Texas rattlesnake. It's Kobe Sorry, you the same man and the same beast. Yeah, so I I let you kick it off, man. Let's talk let's actually get into some of these matches of King of the Ring ninety six, man. Well, their journey, man, uh was quite incredible, man. You know, Jake the Snake Roberts. Came back at 41, you know, to to reenter, to get back in the ring action, man. You know, and for him to make it all the way to the finals was awesome. Shout out to the commentary team, man. Owen Hart did his thing, you know, even though he, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, man? He, um, he intervened in, you know, certain matches, you know, um, and Austin, his match, like one of my favorite matches, also from King of Ring, besides uh, Mr. Perfect and Hitman, was when he battled um, Wildman Mark Merrill. Mm. And I have to say, like, I really do prefer Wildman Mark Merrill over Marvelous Mark Merrill. Like, I feel like when he became Marvelous Mark Merrill, he still had some skill, but it, it was like he was dumbed down. And I wasn't feeling it. 
and it's crazy because you talk about them two in the ring and how their careers went after this was completely different than how they came into this because you got to remember, <coughs> excuse me, going into 96 came to the ring, Mark Merrow was up and coming like one of their stars. Mm-hmm. Like, he was he was in a he was a one time intercontinental champion at the time and he was very athletic and be honest he had a very clean shooting star press which was you know I mean yeah unheard of at the time on this side of the hemisphere right and you know I mean he was pretty pretty sharp in that ring and Stone Cold at the time, them people we was like, ah, we gotta find something for him to do. We gotta find an angle for him to do. <laughs> and then it's like once this happened, you know, Austin became Austin, and Mark Merrill's wife pretty much got him erased from the company. Between that and Vince McMahon's dick, to make a long story short. Mm. What you go? We want to go in depth in there real quick, just to get people, you know, a little thing of what you're talking about. Oh, okay. So. This is what ended up happening. Around 98 when Stone Cold was champion, I mean, not 98, around 97 when Stone Cold was on his way to become champion, it was pitched that Mark Merrill should actually do a storyline with Stone Cold. Stone Cold was down for it around that time. This was when he first was about to become Marvelous Mark Merrill. Mm -hmm. But before then, something happened. Mm -hmm. Sable became one of the first ever WWF Women's Champions in, in that path. She actually beat Mark Merrow. She powerbombed him. Yep. And for that happening, that made him look weak and unbelievable unbelievable to actually compete with a man like Austin. So Austin said no to the angle. And the rest was history with his career. Yeah, that sucks, man. Yeah, I'm not here to shit on nobody today, but we know Sable was trash in the ring and outside the ring. She got anything because her fake titties. Uh-huh. I can't bad. believe I used to think that was attractive back in the day in the 90s. Man. Oh my god, I know, man. I mean, shout out to you, Mrs. Lesnar. You milked the game for all it was worth. Fuck it. Yeah. Bitch. But anyway. yeah, she's ran through. <laughs> yeah. Back to the Stone Cold Mark Barrel match yourself, man. What stood out to you the mat that match? Man. Because there was one thing glaring about it. Um I don't, you know, just the surprise, you know, because when I really first got into wrestling, it was, I, I never really got to see that chance of Mark Merrow, the wild man Mark Merrow. Mm-hmm. So, so to actually go back and, you know, refresh my mind and actually see the, uh, like, the wild man Mark Merrow, like, I was highly impressed, man, like, just to see, just to see how he was really such a, a general in the ring, in my opinion. Yeah, but he did make a mistake, though. And it cost Stone Cold a lot of stitches and a piece of his lip gone to this day. Yeah. The man got 16 uh, stitches in the lip, man. And almost ain't finished it. Oh, but nevertheless, man. the match was 16 minutes, 49 seconds. I thought it was a pretty good match. Mm-hmm. And, you know... The right man advanced, and that was Stone Cold Steve Austin. By that yeah. awesome Stone Cold Stunner, which was new in the business. 
Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because when the stutter was new, I thought people took it way more realistically than when it got popular. But anyway, yeah, yeah, just to go up. with that real quick, man. Like the rock, he we know why. He we know why there was a joke between them. Yeah, he just like it was like he sold it the best, but it was like he so did that bad. It was terrible. Yeah. I like it so bad. It was good. But somebody that was serious that took it fucking scat hard looked like he was getting shot out of fucking trampoline or some shit. Him. Freaking uh, Vince, you know, when Vince get it, Vince looked like he was going in the uh, shop, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he gave it a solid slot, he did that lazy cartwheel. I'm well, telling you, it's that tumble. It was ridiculous. But yeah, we give this match, man. Let's give it a patented rating, man. And if you're new to this show, this is how we rate our matches, man. We don't give stars, man, because we're not like everybody else. We give them simply like this. We give them a fucking terrible, a aight, a good, and a fucking awesome. So what you give this match? I'm going to give it good. You know what? I'm going to give it good as well, brother. It was a good match. A good, great match. It wasn't wasn't the best, but it was, it was a real good match. All right, now, uh, since we got the first part out of the way, let me backtrack a little bit and talk a little bit about 1996 King Ring. As you yep. mentioned before, I mean, the late, great, awesome King of Hearts, Owen Hart was part of the commentary team there, along with, what, Vince McMahon and Jim Ross? Yep. And Jerry the King Lawler? Jerry, I don't, I don't, I don't know if Vince was nah, the president at that time. It wasn't. No, it wasn't King. I think it was Vince and Owen, I believe, and uh, Jim Ross. Because Jerry the King Lawler actually had a match that night. Okay. And I really don't want to talk about it. It was garbage. But, yeah, he had a match that night. That's why I don't think he commentated. He commentated that night. Mm-hmm. All right, now let's get to the other side of the coin. You already yeah, mentioned Jake the Snake, for Jake, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, I'm he, sorry. yeah. All of a sudden, he found, I mean, he found God. He put away the drinking. Cocaine wasn't satisfying his desires, and he had faith in the Lord. He was going to win the King of the Ring. And let's talk about the first match. That was only three minutes and thirty-four seconds. Ended in disqualification, but him versus. This is going to be a fucking other episode, but can I go on a quick rant real quick? Talk it. Vader. That's who he fought. Big Bad Vader, if you fucking remember who the fuck he was in WCW in Japan when he was actually one of the best big men of all time. He fought Ahmed Davis, right? This is... me. You said Ahmed Johnson? No, Ahmed Davis. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Ahmed Johnson. Yeah, but the thing is, what's this bullshit about this is how the fuck could you not use a man like Vader? How the fuck did one man ruin this whole man's career, Shawn Michaels, because of one mishap? How? Seriously. Even when he first came to the WWF, I thought he came like a beast. Remember Goretta Marsoon, the president at the time? It, he beta bombed him to death pretty much and put him off TV and shit. Right. 
and he was just beating up whoever the fuck got in his way. That's the real Vader. Right. The Vader I know, Stan Hansen popped his eye out in the match. He popped his eye in the middle of the fucking match. The big bad Vader I know can throw hooks and break people's noses like it's nothing. As yeah. Cactus Jack. But not a nanny who. <laughs> Vader lost by DQ in three minutes and 34 seconds. We don't have to give it a rating because I don't want to disrespect the great Jake Roberts. We know it's fucking terrible. Yeah, that that sucked. Yeah. Big time. Big time. It, 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 it sucked a lot. It sucked a lot. Mm-hmm. But before we get into the finals and before we get into the great thing about it, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about this card because one thing about this card that kind of stood out to me, and we're going to talk about this very soon, mm-hmm. and it was Mankind versus The Undertaker in that match. Yeah. The reason why it stood out to me is because that feud, when you talk about Undertaker, uh-huh. that feud with Mankind has to be in the top two or three. Easy. Thank if it's you, not man. number one. I mean, from the Buried Alive matches, Boiler Room Bros, I mean, you name it, they did it well. Mm-hmm. I mean, from when Mankind first came in, it was actually a threat to The Undertaker. you never seen him get manhandled this way and him spitting up and all of that, passing out to the Mandible Claw. Yeah, he won that by TKO, man. So I, I I thought that really stood out to me in that King of the Ring, just that rivalry and everything in general. Right. And remember, this is when Paul Barry hit Undertaker with the urn. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that, man. It was great times, man. This is when, the, <laughs> yeah, this is when the beginning of the turn was happening. Between mm-hmm. mankind and the Undertaker, mm-hmm. that set up a whole nother thing in 1997. Hell in a cell, and Kane. Oh man! Well, that was a quick rewind, you know, taking through that journey. But let's get into right. the finals because we got a lot more King of Rings to talk about. Jake Roberts versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was a quick. Yeah, and everything. Four minutes and twenty-eight seconds. Stone Cold won. If you was a fan of wrestling back then, you knew you was gonna win weeks ago. Yeah, Austin didn't give Jake a chance, man. As soon as he stepped into the ring, it was on. Yeah, he beat the hell out of Jake. That bottle of Thunderbird. He needs it to get courage, baby. But nah. <laughs> so Austin made quick work of Jake Roberts, and next thing you know, the coronation happened. Now, take me back to when you first seen this as a kid and this whole coronation ceremony, the first time you seen it. Tell me what was your reaction and everything and what you thought of that in general. Like, I didn't know. Like, when I seen it, you know, I didn't really think too much of it. Like, I didn't know too much about the Bible at that time. So, you know, it didn't really register with me. Like, that, okay, he he, he made up his own verse for the Bible, but... 
Besides that, like when he said Austin three sixteen, so I just whooped your ass. Like yo, that sound cool. Like you know, any any that'll sound cool to any kid at that point. Yeah, he whooped somebody's ass. He ain't hear that wrestling like that back then, right? And now that I'm older and I understand, you know what he did even more. I was like, yo, that like yo, come on now, who did that, yo? Like I'm pretty sure, like if somebody do that now, man, it probably be all type of controversies, man. But what made it really funny, yo, is <laughs> fucking Doc Hendricks. I mean, Michael Hayes and his reaction to it. Like, he sold it. <laughs> he sold it well, man. Mm-hmm. Like, did you just say that? Like, come on now. Come on now. I mean, do we really got to go over what happened after this? Not I mean, really. It's all history. You have to be on a fucking rock if you listen to this to not know what happened to Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think he probably had the best rank, like he had the best like push after King of the Ring out of all champions. I think he might have been the only one with like the best push. Yes. I think he was the most successful King of the Ring winner ever. He's not the best, but he was the most successful ever. Right. Well, yeah. Excuse me. Because pretty much after the King of the Ring, man, he had like the best, what, like, five to seven year run with the company? Yeah, pretty much. And then by, by King of the Ring 97, he's at the co-main event with Shawn Michaels. Fire. He already done made it that far. Mm-hmm. Tag champ with Shawn Michaels and everything. It was a great time, man. Like, Man, if if Austin wasn't, go ahead. If you think about it too, he had the whole beef with Bret Hart on '97, and then that fucking WrestleMania 13. That's when everything changed. Yeah. Talk about it. It's one of the best matches ever, man. The submission match. We will go over one day in Grapple Mania. We got a lot of content to go, but yeah, hell yeah. That match is pretty much what made Stone Cold Steve Austin the household name that everybody knows today. Mm-hmm. But this was the big. Be- this was my favorite Austin around this time. This was the beginning of my favorite Austin. True badass. Yep, Austin getting suspended, getting drunk with Jim Ro- with uh, Jim Ross fucking shooting targets and shit with bow and arrows. Actually, a pretty good shot too. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that man. And then you know his D his VHS at the time, and I remember when he was like, when I go to the ring, I do a BMF walk, and he was like, "What do BMF stand for?" Bad motherfucker. I was like, "Yeah, I like that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's that's the Stone Cold we know and love. But any other thoughts of King in the Ring '96 in general? How did you want to recap it? What did you rank it? Oh, uh, all right. I got to give it a good, just because Austin. Yeah. His journey. Austin but, had a good journey. But what killed it for me was, you know, Vader and, and, and Jake. Yeah, but it wasn't about Jake. It was all about Austin. It was a one-man mm-hmm. show. Yeah. For Mark Merrill cutting open his lip and coming back and winning that. And even before that, the match yeah. with like Savio and the introduction of the Stunner. So. Yeah, sir. Yes, sir. Now, I mean, are we completely in the attitude there by King of the Ring 97? 
I say we starting to get there. Yeah, we in the attitude era because pretty think, much after like ninety six, like right after. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry to cut you off. The reason why I want to say it's complete attitude, because I don't know. When did you think the attitude era started? It started. It started like I'm gonna say it started right after like that whole like right after King of the Ring '96. But if like if full blown. Came, I want to say, around the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. Uh, Bad Blood 97? Yes. Excuse me, yes. Um, where um, Kane was introduced. Mm-hmm. I say it started around that time, but honestly, I don't think it really kicked in again until Austin became champion. I think we had infamous of it and stuff. And yeah, we all know about the infamous meeting they had around October of 97 and all of that. Mm-hmm. And officially, I mean, if you look like a court of Google or that, they're going to say around December of 97 started. But I didn't think it really kicked in again, really, until Austin won the title. But then again, you had DX. You had DX around that time. Right. Like the original DX. Sean and Triple H and Titan. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the three amigos. So yeah, I mean, King of the Ring '97. I think it was getting the two transition of the attitude there, but they was getting rid of the last kinks per se. Mm-hmm. Now, 1997, King of the Ring. Mm. You want to take over for that one? I think the right man won it. I tell you that much. Because I think the man that won it this year, which we're going to reveal soon, if you don't know already, I think he should have won that probably in 95. Instead of King Mabel, that should have been him. Yes. The reason why it wasn't him is, well, no, I'm getting my dates mixed up. I'm getting my dates mixed up. But I think it should have been him in 95, though. But he wasn't even introduced. I don't think he was introduced to the WWF yet. Anybody but fucking Mabel. That's how I look at it. Uh, and the fact that, you know, the you know the first black, the only black guy to win King of the Ring anymore. I mean, but let's keep it, G. It was full Razor Room. 95. All right. I'm getting my dates mixed up. All right. Rewind. Pick it, pick it, pick it, pick it. Uh-huh. I hope we can edit this. This old man moment. All right. So 95, Razor Ramon should have won it. He just was hurt. Right. 96, the white man won. 97, the white man won. But honestly, if it wasn't for the curtain call, he would have won it in the 96 instead of Austin, honestly. Think so? They was ready to push him. He was next up. Well, it worked for 97. Like, 97, it was, like, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I can say it was perfect, but I don't know. The curtain call really messed him up, though. I thought he would have been pushed a long time before this. Mm-hmm. Because he always had the character, and, yeah, he's impressive as hell, and his finisher was awesome. But let's cut the shit. The 97 King of the Ring winner was Triple H. Or uh, as I got, I, yeah, I'm going to say I got a correction, man. 
He wasn't going by trips at that time, man. At the time, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. The Blue Blood. 